Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Mindboggler. So for this episode, we will be talking about a story that is super heart-wrenching. Like, I don't even understand how someone as evil as this dude can sleep at night knowing that he's ruined a lot of people's lives. Honestly, when I read this case, I literally cannot get my mind off the Fall in Our Stars. The Fall in Our Stars era was really something. And isn't it crazy that there are already people in the world, well, younger than Gen Z, I guess, who did not grow up with the Fall in Our Stars? John Green, such an icon. Did you grow up in the Fall in Our Stars? Yeah, I watched it. Okay, but I feel like the movie could have had better casting. Because like in the book, because like in the book, Hazel Cleason Caster was hilarious and sarcastic and like socially awkward in a funny way. And she turns, you know, her situation into funny instead of pity. But in the movie, they made it seem like she's such a wallflower. Like the movie version gave me a little bit of a Pam Beasley vibe, you know? I feel like Jennifer Lawrence could have been a better Hazel. I feel like in the oh, book. Oh yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, that could yeah, be huh? yeah. yeah right? Yeah. Hazel Grace, like in the book is more active and i feel like she's an aries but in the movie she's like a more of like a pisces kind of vibe you know what i'm saying okay why are we turning this into a book review so today's story it only takes one whistleblower to destroy an oncologist evil scheme first of all though let's talk about what a whistleblower is so basically a whistleblower is a person usually an employee of a company who exposes information or activity within a private public or even the government about something that the company does that is deemed as illegal mm -hmm. like fraud or abuse of taxpayer funds or sexual violence within the workplace yeah mm -hmm. there's actually two types of whistleblowers that i know of which are internal and external whistleblower with internal whistleblower they kind of just share the tea to a fellow superior sometimes through anonymous reporting mechanisms or hotlines as for external whistleblowers they report misconducts to the outside people like the law enforcement the or popo. the popo Babe. Okay, I'm sorry. As for external whistleblowers, they report misconducts to the outside people like the law enforcement or the government. I know what you're thinking. It sounds like some kind of 007 type beat, you know what I'm saying? Like spying and sharing the tea and catching the bad guys, snitching the big companies to the government. Well, it's not as easy as you think because being a whistleblower is actually one of the most dangerous jobs in the world. A lot of the times, whistleblowers don't even intend to be whistleblowers, although if speaking about the money you'd make in some cases the government would pay you millions of dollars if you succeed on you know snitching a big company and their misconduct but there's a lot of risk behind it because it's like you're going against these huge companies with their huge amount of resources right so like it's very scary what those companies would do if they know that you're trying to snitch on them to the government and ruin their whole business at one point even life could be at stake for whistleblowers So this story begins with a man by the name of Farid Fada. Fada was originally from Lebanon, but after he got his medical degree in 1992, he moved to United States to begin his medical career. From 1993 to 1996, he was a fellow doctor of hematology and oncology in a cancer center in Manhattan and started a very good reputation for himself. And by the year 2003, he managed to open his own hematology oncology cancer center in Michigan. 
Mexican. Now, the thing about Dr. Fada is that he had such a good reputation within the medical community. Patients loved him, other doctors looked up to him. Most of the times, whenever a patient was diagnosed with a form of cancer, they're almost always referred to Dr. Fada. When you go to a non-specialized doctor and the doctor finds something irregular from your body that might be a form of cancer or other serious illnesses, they would refer to you to doctors that specialize with the concern because regular doctors, they aren't qualified for that, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you're like diagnosed with some kind of cancer, your doctor would refer to you to an oncologist who would run a scan on you and takes care of that, right? And so Dr. Fada was known to be the greatest oncologist in all of Michigan. He specialized in treating blood cancer. He owned his own labs, pharmacy, and radiation treatment facility. He also had about seven clinics of his own. And at his height, he was treating 17,000 patients. Whoa, he's really successful then. Uh-huh, really, he's yeah. a very successful oncologist, yeah. yes. And so let's talk about how to get treatments as a cancer patient. So like, you know, if you're feeling unwell and you go to your doctor's office and it turns out in your checkup that you might have a form of cancer developing in your body, that is something that you have to take seriously, right? Well, here's the thing. I don't know how the healthcare system is here in Indonesia, but in the US, it can take up to a few months to meet up with a specialist, even if you're already diagnosed with cancer. And the better the doctor, the longer the waiting list. Mm -hmm. But Dr. Farah, being a doctor with that good of a reputation, was willing to meet up with patients at the same day. He saw about 70 to 80 people a day, but the thing is, he doesn't work overtime. So for each patient, he only spends about two to three minutes to do their checkup. And because he's such a reputable doctor, of course people believe in him, you know? <laughs> and so things started to go downhill when an experienced office manager by the name of George works in one of Dr. Fada's cancer center. So in 2011, a month into the job, George realized that there were three of the physicians that were working for Dr. Fada's cancer center that decided to quit at the same time. One of the physicians their doctor that quit was a man by the name of So Mangley. But when Mangley was asked by George on why he decided to leave, he told George something that made his heart dropped. So mm. Dr. Fada, Dr. Fada was known as someone who keeps his patient private for him, right? Like he doesn't let any other doctor take care of his patient because he never skips a day of work, not even for any vacation. And so one day he decided to take a vacation with his wife and kids and Dr. So Monclay was in charge for one of his patients. The patient was Monica Flagg. She was a woman who was 54 years old and was diagnosed with multiple myeloma, which is a condition that requires a lifetime of chemo for her to have any chance of survival. And when Monclay saw her charts, he was devastated because it turned out the charts were normal and she did not have any cancer to begin with. And it was really sad because she actually only just finished her first round of chemotherapy oh. that she didn't even need oh and broke her legs in two places. Huh? Yeah, so I'm going to explain how chemotherapy works. So she lost her leg due to a chemotherapy oh. she didn't need. Oh my god. Yeah, so here's the thing about chemotherapy. Even if you have cancer, chemotherapy could be one of the worst things you'll ever have to experience. Yeah. The reason why most cancer patients don't have hair, it's not because of the cancer itself, but because they're going through round after round of chemotherapy, right? And most of the mm. times, it's not only your hair that falls off, most of the times your teeth falls off too. Oh. Your bones get weak, you can barely walk, you lose an incredible amount of weight because you lose your appetite. At some cases, you can't even keep your 
your food down. So it takes a massive toll on your body, but at the same time, it's like one of the things that might work to, you know, to mm-hmm. cure your cancer, right? And so George, after being told that story by Manglay, he was like, what are you talking about? That's Dr. Fada. He's like, he has like the best reputation as an oncologist, you know? So like at first he didn't believe Manglay, but then after seeing how some other clinical staff and doctors began resigning without explanation, he got more and more suspicious of Dr. Fada. And so he started to do his own investigation before he was going to leave a tip for the FBI. Oh. And here's one thing about Dr. Fada that got him very popular in the medical community. It's because he was known for his aggressive approach, which is giving higher doses of chemo drugs more frequently, a protocol he called the European protocol. But that was, you know, that wasn't something illegal. That was okay. Oh, okay, okay. So George started to do his own investigation by working with fellow nurses and interviewing some of the staff there. And the first thing he noticed was that Dr. Fada's treatment to consultation ratio was different from the other doctors he interviewed. So he asked one of the nurses that worked there to give him reports on Dr. Fada's use of IVIG, which is a chemo drug. And the nurse reported that she discovered within one week 38 out of 40 patients who were given chemotherapy did not need or huh? did not qualify for the drug. Oh my god. Isn't it crazy? That's crazy. What? And so after having the solid proof, George went straight to the Department of Justice and within five days, they raided all seven offices of Dr. Fada. It got to the news, but at the same time, not everybody knew what was going on. A lot of people just thought it was nothing as serious as prescribing chemotherapy to people who don't need them. Most people just thought it was like a healthcare fraud, etc. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so at this moment, George said in one of the interviews after the case was over that it was one of the most nerve-wracking moments of his life because the extent of liability on him was unmeasurable. He was also thinking like, what if it turns out, you know, it's not illegal to prescribe people with certain amount of chemotherapy because Dr. Fada is actually known for his aggressive approach, right? Yeah, it's really unethical. I mean, like, okay, if people like to have the options to not have chemotherapy, but he made it as if they have to, even yeah. though they didn't need to. But at the same time, like George was like not into the medical community mm. to be exact. Like he was just an office manager. He yeah, like yeah. he doesn't know anything about like, you know, medical stuff. And so the feds starts to investigate Dr. Fada, right? And it turns out over the course of two years, he illegally and unrightfully prescribed chemo to over 550 patients. It's so insane because all of those 550 lives were ruined. Most of their bodies are wrecked at this point. Like a lot of them don't even have teeth. They can't walk on their own anymore. They lost their hair and a huge amount of weight. And most of them didn't even need any chemo in the first place. And the worst thing is most of them paid so much for the chemo that they don't have any insurance anymore. Some even had to sell their cars, their houses. Um, So it was a massive, massive problem, right? But Dr. Fada made over $35 million over the course of two years by ruining people's lives by doing that. And he did it knowingly. Mm. Knowingly prescribing people with chemotherapy when they didn't need them. Like... Dude, you have to be in some kind of like level of evil to be okay with that with yourself. Like, yeah, he's be- psychotic. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy how he like he doesn't even feel bad. And so here's the sad one. 
Dr. Fada had this one patient who recently just passed away at that time. He was a retired financial advisor and and he was super healthy. He loved to play golf and him and his wife were trying to just spend their retired life together, right? Mm -hmm. Until his doctor referred him to Dr. Fada because of a concerning irregularity in his body. And so, of course, he went through rounds and rounds of chemotherapy he didn't even need in the first place to the point that his body got really, really weak. He actually at one time had an infection on his toe. And because the chemo wrecked his body so bad, it got to the point where he couldn't even fight the infection of his toe. So they had to do a simple surgery to remove the infection, right? Mm -hmm. But because his body has been through so much chemotherapy when it didn't need to be, like he couldn't even recover from the surgery and mm. they ended up amputating his toe. Then it got worse because... <laughs> It got worse because he still couldn't survive the recovery period and the, and the infection spread to his leg and his body was too busy fighting the chemo that was mm -hmm. unnecessary to his body to begin with that after a couple of months, they had to amputate both of his legs. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, and then he eventually just dies, which is super <sighs> sad. So from all 550 patients, most of the problems actually could be fixed with like antibiotics. Mm -hmm. Can you believe it? Yeah. Maybe some needed a minor surgery, but not something as extreme as chemotherapy. They were wrongfully prescribed the chemo that ended up ruining all their lives. Were there like, uh, what's that called? Mm. Second opinion. Yeah, second opinions, health auditors or something like that. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, you go to your regular doctor mm -hmm. and then your regular doctor is kind of like, okay, go to a second opinion doctor. The second opinion doctor would refer you to Dr. Fada because like the doctors really look up to So him. he's wrongfully credible. Yeah, nobody... The, well, yeah, how did he get that reputation in the first place? I feel like maybe he was a good doctor, you know, in, in the, the beginning. beginning. <laughs> but then, you know, you know, the greed can uh -huh. change a person, I guess. Like money can really change a person. So the idea he, yeah. of like having power to like do that. Yeah, because chemo is also really expensive. It, it is really expensive. Yeah. Some people had to like sell their house for yeah. that. So right? that's his motive. Not because he's like... Uh, not that? because he's evil. Not because he he likes seeing people in pain. But it's because of money mostly. Of, oh, okay. And so Dr. Fada was in jail for four years before his trial. He pleaded guilty on so many different charges and he got a life sentence. Mm. But I think he was still eligible for parole a, uh, a few years ago, but he was denied mm. parole. Yeah. And George got 15% of the money he recovered, which is $17 million. But he felt like he wasn't deserving of... Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he felt like he wasn't deserving of the settlement because he wanted the money to go to the victims. So he had the $17 million to split equally to all of the 550 victims, which is so sweet. And he is now working as a healthcare consultant and he consults people whenever they ask for like a second opinion mm. so in other words he is truly a hero thank you guys for listening to this episode i Stay hope you tuned. guys enjoy oh i'm sorry i hope you guys enjoy and wait up for the next episode stay tuned <laughs> stay tuned